0: What up, though? And welcome back to the Black Friday's podcast. It's your favorite host, Denzel Turner in the building. And today I need all my leaders to come to the front of the classroom right now. And if you're not a leader and you want to stay in the back of the classroom, that's perfectly fine, because today I'm here to help you step your game up. I'm here to help you all elevate. And I got the perfect person to help you do it. Ms. Jacqueline Baker is a top tier leadership expert and she stopped by the podcast to share her previous experiences on what led her to find her own path in leadership and also how other people can become solid, strong leaders today. So for all you self-proclaimed leaders out there, it's time to elevate your game. And for those who don't feel like they're in a leadership position just yet, don't worry, we got you. Stay tuned to the conversation and we gonna get you right. All right, let's go ahead and roll the intro. Oh, it's good. You are now oh, in the mix good. Of by Jones. Uh, uh, uh. have a very special guest on the podcast, Miss Jacqueline Baker, who is a business owner, author, podcast host, and overall dope person. So welcome to Black Fridays.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm totally looking forward to today's conversation.
0: The description I just gave, it kind of, I was thinking in my head, it kind of sounded like the the, uh, resume of a superhero. So I want to do a little icebreaker real quick and ask you if you could be any superhero, which one would you want to be?
1: Oh, you didn't prep me for this one. Okay, let me think. Any (laughs) superhero. I like like Wonder Woman. I don't even know. It's just, I think the outfit, like I love the dope outfit. I'm really loving Wonder Woman. I I don't want to just pick one though. I really like Thor. I I don't know what it is about Thor. He's just sort of mystical and magical. And I'm all about that life. So I think those are the top two. I mean, you can't not name anyone from Black Panther, though. Just the whole franchise is, you know, you want to resonate and be aligned with that. But those are the ones that are top of mind for me.
0: Not bad choices. So to give people a little bit of background, I was a mentor for Midnight Golf while I'm an alumni. And then I came back and I was a mentor. And then during our mentoring session, having our students participate in your etiquette lesson, And just sitting there and then having them uh, go through that and then also me going through it again and and learning uh, a lot of things just as far as how to conduct yourself when you're having dinner in a professional setting attire. um, How to etiquette when it comes to speaking and things of that nature, it was really dope to see and you did an amazing job. And really engaging, really useful information, and, and that a lot of people aren't privy to, um, like having your elbows on the table and you know scarfing down your dinner in front of everybody, embarrassing the whole table, and you don't even know fully what you're doing. So um, that's how I came across you and been following your brand and uh, progress over the years and really want to have you here on the, the podcast. So I wanted to ask you from your perspective, if you could invite the Black Friday listeners into who you are as a person and then also what you do professionally.
1: Absolutely. And I'm telling you, I still get such great pleasure out of serving the students of Midnight Golf, working with Uh, the mentors of Midnight Golf, and it's been wonderful to be able to work with you in both of those capacities. So thank you for sharing that. If I had to fundamentally sum myself up, I would actually describe myself as a starter. I am a starter through and through. I love to start stuff. I love to position myself to help other people start the things that they want to do and move to their next level. It literally is my life thesis. Like on my wall is two huge words that say, just start. I, I stand by that. And that just start mentality for me really kicked off as a young person when I, I my aunt raised me when I was a teenager, and when I went away to college, in my mind I, I thought to myself, well, there really I need to I need to do this. Like I need to be grown. There is really no family home to go back to, if you will. And so I decided, you know what, I just got to go after it, whatever it is. Um, I can't really say that when I went away to school that I had the thought process that I would be an entrepreneur. I, I just was a person that just liked to like to start, like to solve things, like to really get my hands deep into things. And that's where my life thesis ke- comes into play. For me, all the things that I'm into, whether it is starting a podcast, writing a book, starting another company, opening a bed and breakfast, which I'll do in the near future, it's all rooted in my life thesis, which is helping people start the things that they wanna do and move to their next level. And as long as whatever it is that I'm starting ladders back up to that, I feel good right? And so at the end of the day, I definitely define myself as a starter. I define myself as a leader. I define myself as someone who prioritizes making sure that I'm in spaces and being vocal enough to provide other people with those same opportunities to start the things that they want to do and move to their next level as well.
0: And that's huge because for me, I resonate with that a lot. I- do web design uh, through my business, Determination Media. So when I got that started, my whole purpose was to really help people develop better websites and fully functional websites um, in the digital space so that they don't get left behind. And what people fail to realize is that it's so many things that you need or should be in place before you start whatever it is that you plan on doing, starting a website, starting a business, starting a new venture. And uh, you know, there's no rule book or handbook out there for those type of things so anytime that people can be put in place to provide those type of resources that's a huge help um, because so many people need them and would avoid so many pitfalls if they do have them so definitely what you're doing is is uh, extremely important and i know that you talked about the things that you're doing the things that you start are based around helping people start up and um, i know that there's a huge leadership component to the type of work that you do as well before we get more into the the business side of it i want to know when did you identify yourself that and be confident in the fact that you were a leader
1: oh this is such a good timely question and the reason why is because i am smack dab in the middle of I mentioned this previously of writing my second book. is called The Unexpected Leader uh, in partnership with Wiley Publishing. So it was uh, such a pleasure uh, towards the end of last year to sign my first book deal. It's my second book, but it's my first book deal. And I was working on the introduction of the book. Although I'm almost done writing, I like to write the introduction last because it helps me to really summarize all the things that I've written later on in the book so people understand what they're getting and what they're getting into in the introduction. And it got personal. Uh, and the reason why I got personal was because I was truly reflecting on how I saw myself in high school and how I saw myself in college. And when I think back uh, in my in, in high school, I definitely wasn't someone who saw themselves as a leader. Not, definitely not in college either. And it's not that I wasn't doing activities that some people wouldn't associate with being a leader. I just didn't think that of myself. And I I don't think that it was ever even encouraged that those were the types of words or the types of behaviors that I needed to engage in for the long haul for myself. It really wasn't until probably I started writing or giving myself permission to write my first book, which is called Leader by Mistake, Becoming a Leader One Mistake at a Time. And it was at that time when I started to recognize that the things that I had done over the past 10 years were deeply rooted in uh, leadership behaviors. There were lots of leadership behaviors that I had been exhibiting for years, but I hadn't really defined myself and thought of myself as a leader at all. And the approach that I took with that first book was um, instead of saying, I know all, and here's all the magical things that you should do. I instead said, hey, well, my leadership journey, here are the 10 big mistakes that I made. And I want you to avoid these mistakes, right? So I came from a place of vulnerability first versus like, listen to me, I know all. And it resonated pretty well because the book did pretty well over the past few years. So I don't really think it, it was until I had started my second company, which is called Scarlet, which is a leadership consultancy that I started to identify and define myself as such. It it took some time for me to confidently say that I was a leader. uh, And now it's my job to make sure that other people can confidently say that they're a leader earlier in their life.
0: Because I interact with a lot of small and medium businesses overall. But as far as from a leadership standpoint, what do you feel like those organizations are getting wrong?
1: What I see often is. Number one, um, a disregard for the opportunity around delegating. Uh, I uh, definitely have had to learn how to delegate a bit better. Um, people that are my peers that have small businesses, I know that they've had their struggles with delegation, and I also see it in corporate as well, where organizations trust so much in one individual that they give them everything, and then that individual gets burned out, and now you know they got to go out for several weeks or seven months because of a nervous breakdown. And so, I think that. Um, organizations and also small businesses have a unique opportunity to really take a look at how they're delegating, how they're empowering other people to share the work so that you, even as a small business owner or you as the manager at an organization, don't get burned out or your team members don't get burned out because you put all the work on one person. And so I think that that's that's definitely one of them. The second is back to our question about leadership is really not empowering people to think of themselves as leaders at all levels. And I know that for corporations and organizations, uh, there are some hierarchy related things that are built into most orgs where there is you know a um, there are subordinates, there are people that are managers and supervisors and VPs and SDPs and all these people, and there are chains of command. And sometimes some organizations believe that, oh, if I empower everyone to believe that they're a leader, then why would they look to their leader for support, for direction, et cetera? And I believe that they're thinking of it all wrong. Instead, you want people that think outside the box. You want people that are autonomous thinkers. You want people that can think innovatively, that can be disruptors, right? Right. You want people that can think expansively, but if people aren't given that confidence or if they aren't empowered to have that confidence to think like a leader, to think like someone who is a problem solver, then guess what? You're going to be relying on the VP or the director whomever to solve all the problems. You're going to have all these foot soldiers that are just waiting for directions instead of self-solving. And so I think that the, the sooner that we start to think of people as leaders at whatever level they're at, if they're not managing someone and they're a self-leader, the quicker that we do that, the quicker that we're able to empower more people to be innovative, um, to change organizations, and to make greater impact. So I definitely think that's one of them. I think the last one, and, and I don't even necessarily say that people are getting it wrong, Denzel, but I do think that right now it is in most companies' best interests to rethink the way that they think about work and the future of work and everything about it, right? From where you physically work at to how many hours you're working to how we're structured as a team. These past two years have really proven a lot of things. And you know, depending on which organization you're at, it has proven one thing over here and one thing over there. But it's definitely proven that in many cases, the traditional and historical way that we have worked and approached work it isn't working, right? And and there's another way. And so I will say that it will be interesting to see how organizations approach this and address really the, the elephant in the room as it relates to the way that we've been working historically, and really what could work in the future. So those are a few of the things that I think are opportunities and just what I would be curious to see in the future.
0: Yeah, those are all great points uh just thinking about especially the work environment that you talked about um in your last bullet because the future is going to be digital like we're starting to see that in so many different ways and uh you know that's one thing that i'm passionate about i'm just i've always been a techie so getting people more integrated into that space uh, no matter where you are either with your business or just in life in general you're going to have to have that digital footprint moving forward and it's going to be important for all of us Give us some tips on how to be a better leader. So if we're just talking about Joe Schmo walking down the street, how can he become a better leader?
1: Ooh, I love the question. I do. Uh, The first thing is to believe and declare. That's the first step is believe and declare by saying you're a leader. I always say that leadership isn't acquired. By you waiting on someone to come and tap you on the shoulder and saying you're a leader. That is not how it's done. It is you making a decision and standing up whenever, whatever day you decide to stand up and do it and say, you know what, I'm a leader. The second step of that is to commit to growth and knowing that your declaration of being a leader on day one and the things that you are going to need and the things that are required of you and the things that you require from a skill set standpoint, they're going to be completely different from day one to day. You know, twenty six hundred, or maybe you're managing a team, but this commitment to growth and elevation means that you also have to take responsibility, which is technically number three. And when I say responsibility, that is not getting up, getting caught up in the trap of believing that oh, my job is responsible for my leadership journey, or my mother, or my community organization, or my spouse, or my partner, or whomever that they're responsible for your leadership journey. No, they're not. Right? The reality is a lot of organizations say, like a whole lot of organizations say that they believe that leaders should be developed at all levels, right? They, they believe, okay, any, anywhere every, from the intern level to the board of directors, there needs to be some type of leadership development. But the reality is only about 5% of organizations have fully developed leadership plans and opportunities. And so if all these organizations say that it's important, but only 5% are doing it, that means that that's our responsibility it's our responsibility to take a constant look and a constant audit of okay like i'm good at this but you know what my public speaking skills i really don't know how to use my voice appropriately let me tool up in this area okay you know what i'm good in this area but delegation i get this really hot feeling in my chest when it's time to delegate something and i just instead just you know hoard all the tasks to myself that is our responsibility and I think that the moment that we start to recognize that when we start looking around for opportunities, whether it's webinars, whether it's listening to this podcast, whether it's reading a book, maybe maybe you decide to go back to school to get some more skills, but it is our responsibility. Yes, do most corporate organizations provide you know, training opportunities and leadership development opportunities? Most of them do, but it's not equal to everyone. It's just not. And so that's the reason why it's our responsibility. And I think the last thing that I'll see from a leadership standpoint that I hope will calm a lot of people's fears when they think of the fact that, oh, I'm saying that I'm a leader, but then you start poking holes in, but am I a leader? But what about this? And what about that? It is okay as a leader for you to say, I don't know the answer to that, but you know what? Let me get back to you. I I think that your question was a valid question, whoever it is that you're answering the question of, right? I, I appreciate your question. I think it's a good question, but I don't know the answer and I'm going to get back to you. Because what happens is we think that if we say that we're a leader, that we are supposed to know everything. And then what starts to happen? We start making up stuff, people start lying, and then their credibility is shot. And then eventually they get ousted and nobody wants to say they're a leader anymore. Leaders don't need to know the answer to everything. You just have to be savvy enough. You have to be able to maneuver enough. And you have to be honest enough to say, I don't know, but let me get back to you. And so I think that that's one of the biggest things that I want people to walk away with in, in knowing that um, you don't have to know all the answers. And I think a bonus, Denzel, I will give a bonus here, is that there are some times on your leadership development journey where you will be uncomfortable, where you will be challenged, where you'll be nervous, where you'll be sweaty and you're trying to hide the sweat because you're stepping into a new realm or you're, you know, you're having a different conversation that you never had before. And I'll be the first one to say that there is nothing illegal and nothing wrong with being nervous because discomfort, stretching ourselves, making sure that we are comfortably uncomfortable is a part of the journey. But the reality is that second time that you go to do that thing that you did the first time, have that conversation, delegate something, stretch your skills. The second time that you go to do it, it won't be as painful. You won't be as nervous because you're going to say, oh, I have a reference point. I did that previously, right? I delegated something out. I did some team building exercises the first time, and that was uncomfortable, but now I'm here again at at number two, doing it again, and it's not as uncomfortable anymore. And maybe it may take you a third or fourth time, but eventually it gets easier. And so just recognizing that the growth that you give yourself permission to engage in, it might be uncomfortable, but eventually you get better at it.
0: So without a doubt, I think you just turned Joe Schmo into not only a leader, but probably the next CEO of some major corporation, because, yeah, those tips made me want to run out and then go find the CEO of Google and tell them, hey man, I'm coming for your spot. Hey,
1: hey, you know what, Joe Schmo, <laughs> You better get after it, Joe Schmo. You're not my time out here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. You gotta make something of yourself now. Um, so thank you for that. And now it's time for my favorite portion of Black Friday. So this part, I, I intentionally did not prep you for because that's the whole purpose of it. It's called Freestyle Fridays. And what we do here on Black Fridays, I put on an instrumental, and Jacqueline, I need to know if you got, if you got the bars, I need to know if you are a rapper, I need you to sink or swim right now. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know
0: what?
1: Let's, let's just start. I, I, let's just, let's just do this.
0: See that, that's that leadership. I appreciate your willingness to do it. However, that is not what Freestyle Fridays is. You don't have to rap. You don't have to rap. So I'm going to throw your life vest there. What are you doing what's the, what's, the word? what's the word I can do it I can I can rhyme that so freestyle Friday is just a random assortment of questions they're all about you so you can't get them wrong and i only got two rules you answer every question and then you answer honestly okay all right so let's get into it what is the most professional way we're talking about etiquette we're talking about leadership all those type of things but every time somebody goes low we don't always go high so I want to know what's the most professional way you told somebody off.
1: oh most professional way um I will say this if you hear me say with all due respect when I give an answer I'm being a smart aleck like I'm not really I'm not there's not anything really respectable going on behind those words um so if you hear me say that I'm probably telling someone off someone off
0: okay Um,
1: yeah I think that that's one of the ones (laughs) okay
0: we'll take it definitely take it uh, who was your professional OG? So when you started your working career, who was somebody that kind of took you under their wing?
1: The OG, I think there are a couple people: Therese Peace, uh, AAA of Michigan; um, Lisa Bradley Mitchell, Mich- Lisa Bradley Mitchell from AAA of Michigan; Rhonda Walker, who um, uh, of course is a Channel Four News anchor. Her group was the first group that we ever did etiquette training for back in the day. Of course, Miss Renee uh, from Midnight Golf, who continues to be an OG in my world, and right now because the OGs continue, um, there's a woman named Jacqueline Welch, who is the chief human resources officer at um, the New York Times, who is older than me, but you know is just a jewel in my life. She's actually writing the foreword for my book. And uh, I, I'll say this for everyone listening in, I want you to always try to make it a point to have people in your circle that are 10 years your senior, that will tell it like it is, that will save you a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of heartache because they've been through it. And our job is to be humble enough to listen, to listen, to listen, to pay attention and to take the advice and do something meaningful with it. So I I really like that question, Denzel.
0: And uh, you're a podcaster. So I want to know who is your dream podcast guest? Somebody you haven't had yet, but you definitely want to have on your show.
1: Ooh, Love it. So thank you for asking. I, of course, I, I produce a podcast called Just Start From Ideas to Action. It's wherever you listen to podcasts. And I have to tell you, Denzel, I love Guy Raz. If you listen to NPR, um, there is a podcast called How I Built This. And it's exactly what it sounds like. He interviews people who have started things at many of the major companies that we've heard of before, Method and um, I was listening to an episode this morning with Discovery Channel and Fawn Weaver, who started Uncle Nearest Whiskey. And although Guy Ross is an introvert because he says it a lot, I just really love his style of storytelling and bringing out the pieces of people's story that you really don't really know about, like you don't know about all the troubles that people have when they're launching a the company. But he brings those things out, and so he absolutely is someone I would love to have on the podcast. He's a starter as well. I think he started a couple of companies, maybe a couple of production uh, houses. So it's it's Guy Raz. It's probably several other people, but it's definitely Guy Raz.
0: What is the song that you have on repeat?
1: Ooh, um, Jasmine Sullivan, Fear. Uh, just talks about how we all have fear and mm-hmm. we all have real fear that can sometimes be debilitating, but it's our job to keep going. Uh, the other one I'll say uh, is a song called um, cruel world by a group called active child. Um it's just—it's almost hard to not like be a little bit emotional when you listen to the song because it just talks about just the realness of the world. Mm. And then I'll say, last thing—I know you're like, tell me one, and I'm telling you like a
0: million. Nope. Keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love music. I, I went to Cast Tech and I was a music major. Oh,
0: you're a, you're a fellow technician.
1: I am a fellow technician.
0: So you knew I knew something about you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and um and so I was a music major in high school, of course. And, and at Cast, you major, you have majors. And I played every instrument you could think of, harp, piano, marimba, like all this stuff. And so I just love, love, love music. Um, so there are lots of people that I listen to. Uh, those two songs are definitely two of the ones I love. But I also love the group Disclosure a lot. Like if you love music, just put you on some Disclosure and hit Shuffle and something that you like will come in. So those are some sort of kind of, I would say, non-mainstream for a lot of my friend circle Um pieces of music and groups that I like.
0: And most random job that you ever had?
1: Oh. Tenzel, I've had a lot of jobs. Um <laughs> a lot. I will say my first job, I was I worked at Subway as a sandwich artist. I was like 13. That was good and illegal.
0: Sandwich job. artist. I like that. You know it. You know <laughs> it.
1: The most random job that I had that never made it to the resume is my cousin and I were somebody told us that in the summertime that they were do they were accepting contract workers that i think that the company was called technicolor and our job was to get these orders these paper orders and go find tapes videotapes right videotape orders and like put them in boxes for people who had ordered these videotapes it was the worst um (laughs) in that you know it was hot it was in a warehouse and midday me and my cousin were like yeah um we're not coming back. Like, this is awful.
0: And this is probably the most important question that you're going to get today, all week, in the next month. This is very vital to Black Friday, so we need an honest answer on this. We're both from Detroit, both technicians. I need to know, when you went to Coney Island, what was your order?
1: Chili cheese fries,
0: baby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, squeeze the sliced cheese.
1: Oh, it's got to be sliced. And the reason why it's got to be sliced is because the squeezed cheese was suspect. I'm just yep. like, why? where you get that cheese from? Is that Benita? What like, What is that, right? Definitely chili cheese fries. Oh, I could do some chili cheese fries right now, OK?
0: <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I want some now, too. I'm starving. I haven't had lunch yet. Me neither. <laughs> so congratulations to you. You successfully passed Freestyle Friday. So I want to thank you for engaging in my shenanigans um you followed the rules well so um definitely appreciate you for that and the next segment I like to do I always give my guests the opportunity to pat themselves on the back it's called Friday flex and for you to show love to yourself for anything that you did in recent memory that you just want to um congratulate yourself for I want to give you the opportunity to do that
1: oh thank you i think i definitely i actually think of three things um and I'll, I'll go fast and there are three things that i'm particularly proud of over the past, I'll say, year and a half. Number one is giving myself permission to grieve last year, and and I and the reason I say that is because I am definitely a just keep going, like dust it off and keep going kind of person. And that moment of losing my father, which is still still something that I'm sort of kind of combing through emotion wise, has allowed me to reveal a lot about myself that I did not understand and a lot about the way that I operate. Um, and so I think number one, I am proud of myself for that, although it's still very much a process. Number two is this book deal. So i mentioned to you that um, I am writing my second book, it's called The Unexpected Leader. It's this book in itself has been a lesson in being prepared, but more importantly, when you wanna do something, start doing it. I wrote a, I started writing this book proposal for this book in 2020, not knowing how I was gonna talk to a publisher. I didn't have a publisher contact. But lo and behold, I was talking to one of my friends and she decided to introduce me to someone at this publishing house. And after one conversation, we were moving forward with the book deal. And the only reason I was able to do that is because I knew the answers to the questions because I had been quietly writing this book, this book proposal on my own. So I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of not just the book itself, but the lives that it will change by helping people who don't believe that they're leaders understand that they are, you know, even if they are unexpected leaders, that's number two. And number three is um, I serve on a corporate board. And although I am mostly quiet about it, except for the people who are in my circle, I was um, invited to be on this corporate board when I was 39. So I wasn't actually even 40 yet. I just turned 40 last year. And for, you know, most black women of color, um, being on a corporate board is something that, number one, may never happen or may come a lot later in your career. And I share that on your platform and in other spaces because. I want people to be aware of the opportunities that exist once you give yourself permission to dream, once you give yourself to be in spaces that you might be uncomfortable in, right, Uh, because that definitely was a learning curve for me. Uh, But I like to share those things so that people can really understand what's possible in front of them. So those are the three things that I'm particularly proud of myself um, of over the past year and a half, I'll say.
0: And all of those are huge. So uh, congrats to you on that for sure. And also in the spirit of Black Fridays, I gotta ask you why, in your opinion, do you feel it's important to support Black-owned businesses?
1: Oh, it's important because people giving themselves permission to dream is sometimes not super easy. Right. Because it's what is often easier is to go the proven and I'm doing air quotes, the proven easy track. Right. Go to school. Maybe if you decide to go to college, get a job, work at that job forever. Hopefully that job will stay around forever. Maybe you'll save enough to retire, you know, retire happily or not. Right. But to break the mold and say, you know what, I could go that quote unquote easy path or that path that people are saying, go do that, go get a good job. Let me go after instead the thing that's gnawing at my gut, the thing that I know makes a much bigger impact a lot faster, the role that feels a lot more difficult, but I'm going to go at it anyway. I believe that it's up to us, um, the community surrounding those people, surrounding those friends, surrounding those other black business owners to keep them going. And and maybe not even necessarily through a purchase because maybe they don't sell something that you want, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't quietly mention them in rooms where they are not mentioned. Or you can't quietly like or share something, right? Or quietly send up a prayer, or quietly donate, or whatever it is. And so I believe that it's really important to support because going after your dreams is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. It's incredibly fulfilling once you do it, and you start to see progress, and you start to make impact out in the world. But um, I do believe that uh, when a community is around you and they're supporting you, it certainly make things, makes things a lot easier.
0: And that's powerful because one of the things that I'm learning is that it's uh, it's about a mindset shift. And sometimes that is the biggest hurdle. You have all the tools and talents to do what it is that you want to do, but you're 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 in your mind, you're not giving yourself that permission, that grace to go out and do it. So I definitely uh, agree with you 100% there. And I wanted to know, if you had to look in your crystal ball, looking at the outlook of the future, what does it look like for you? And what does it look like for the business?
1: If I look into, into a crystal ball, At some point in 2023, I'll make a couple of um, hires for our team so that the leadership work can expand just beyond me. And some point within the next five years, I will open a bed and breakfast and that bed and breakfast is going to be designed um, not only for just people to come and enjoy, because I'm a host, I love to host, but it'll actually be rooted in being a space where people can come and get away from their day to day to truly get the support and to get the mental space to start the things that they truly want to do. And so I'm really excited about venturing into the bed and breakfast space, um, because it's a space that isn't crazy saturated. I know that Airbnbs, most people hear more about those, but traditional bed and breakfast um, are sort of far and few between. So that's definitely a, a five-year outlook um, that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. So those are two of the things. Uh, and, and of course, a successful book. We're launching the book, The Unexpected Leader in Late Uh, August. And I'm looking forward to it just making some phenomenal impact across the world.
0: Speaking of the book and speaking of everything that you do, if people want to utilize your services, if they just want to follow you and um, enjoy your content, they want to buy a book, what are all your handles and contact information?
1: Absolutely. For social, I'm easy. I'm not elusive on Twitter and also on Instagram. I'm mostly active on Instagram. I'm Magical Jax, M-A-G-I-C-A-L-J-A-X. And if you want to contact me directly about the business that we do, I'm at JacquelineMBaker.com and all my contact information in terms of how you can connect with me is over there. And if you're curious specifically about the work that we're doing at Scarlet, that's over at the dot. And
0: I want to thank you once again for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Very great conversation. I got to hang out and kick it with a fellow technician, which was a, a pleasant <laughs> surprise. But then also your knowledge about business, your career path, your journey um, is, is very influential and helpful. And I, I think I mentioned to you before we got on here that seeing your content and kind of how you develop content and um, do business has been inspirational to me and the things that I do. So grateful for all the, all the great work that you're doing and been doing over the years.
1: Thank, Absolutely. And I'm grateful to inspire you, but more importantly, I'm grateful that you are in a position to inspire me as well. Like we inspire each other and just keep this thing going and keep making fantastic impact in the world. So thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, that's been another episode of Black Fridays and check us out next week. We'll keep this thing going. Appreciate you.